So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, past the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in, in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we've got this uh, passage in Ephesians 4 to kind of set the scene for our sermon series over the next few weeks where we're going to be looking at spiritual gifts, we're going to be looking at serving, we're going to be looking at community, we're going to be looking at all kinds of different things over the next few weeks about what it means to be church. And this passage kind of sets the scene for all of that because in just five verses, Paul covers the themes of unity, of spiritual gifts, of leadership, of discipleship, of spiritual growth, of lies, of truth of Jesus and of love in the community, all in just five verses. It's quite a lot to unpack. We're going to be focusing just on one of those things. Uh, and what I want to make clear right at the beginning of this sermon series about what it isn't, what this sermon series isn't, because if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, oh, a sermon series on spiritual gifts and service, what that basically means is Carl's asking for volunteers and it's going to be a guilt trip sermon series. It's not going to be a guilt trip sermon series. That is not what this is about. It's actually pinning on something far more important and far deeper than that, which we're going to reflect on. It's also not a, a, not a how to grow your church sermon series. It's not a, a sermon series that's strategic about thinking about church growth or anything like that, because I am a firm believer that Jesus is the one who grows the church. Uh, and so it's not, a, it's not a, a course on how to grow a church. Uh, there's a very specific reason we're looking at this over the next season, and it's to do with what we're going to reflect on a little bit this morning from that passage in Ephesians. 4. So the passage in Ephesians, we have themes of spiritual gifts, we have themes of prophecy, we have themes of leadership, of discipleship, spiritual growth, truth, Jesus, all of these things just in those few verses. But the reason that I'm starting with this passage, and it is a, a great passage, I mean I really just want to encourage you this afternoon, it's a rainy day, why don't you just this afternoon get a cup of coffee, sit down in a nice comfy chair and just read the whole of Ephesians because it's such a good letter anyway so worth reading. Uh, so many amazing things in there that Paul is teaching a, a relatively young church, a church that's fairly young in the faith, and he's writing to them in, in such encouraging ways. This beautiful passage in Ephesians, like his, his prayer for the church in Ephesus, where he prays that they may have kind of a full understanding or revelation of the depth of God's love. It, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful letter. Uh, and he talks a lot in there about prayer and so many other things. And just in these few verses covers so much. And we're going to focus focus on just uh, one of them uh, because it's the one on which all the others uh, get hang on, hung on really that we, we pin everything else on and that is uh, the gift of love. The fact that everything we do as a church needs to flow from and hang on the gift of love. The greatest command of loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength 
loving our neighbor as we grow to love ourselves, learning to accept the love that God has for us. It all needs to come from, stream from, flow from that place. Everything we do as church, everything we are as church, everything we become as church needs to flow from that place of love because without that, it's all meaningless. It's all worthless. As uh, Paul writes it in 1 Corinthians 13, a really famous passage that's often used at weddings but wasn't written for couples, it was written for the church. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge and have all the faith uh, so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and deliver up my body to be burned in sacrifice, but still have not love, I gain nothing. There's no point us talking about spiritual gifts unless that our primary motive for using them is love. I want you to, as a child, I just want you to imagine for a moment, I want you to imagine receiving a gift from somebody who doesn't love you. You will be instantly suspicious of that gift, won't you? If someone who hates you gave you a gift, in one sense you might think, oh, this is nice, and in another sense a part of you will be thinking, oh, what's in here? What are they actually? You'd be really suspicious of that gift. But you receive a gift from someone who loves you, someone who you trust, someone you have a relationship with, it's a very different thing. You can't wait to open it. You can't wait to see what it is. You're so excited to receive that gift. The same is true of our spiritual gifts. Unless we are motivated by love, the gifts will count for nothing because we'll be using them for all kinds of wrong motives. In order for us to be talking about spiritual gifts in the next few weeks, we need love to be our primary focus. There's no point talking about unity without love because unity cannot be made by committee. Unity cannot be made by programs and resources and seeing how other churches have done it or or seeing how other people have done it. Unity doesn't work like that. For unity to be genuine unity, it needs to be rooted and established in love. In the community of love. People who love God and know God loves them. There's no point talking about leadership unless our leaders love We come to that in a minute as well because of a revelation that I've had this week. Our desire, I hope, is to help each other grow in the faith. That's what the passage in Ephesians 4 is about, that we all help each other to be the best versions of ourselves that we can be, to, to follow Jesus better, to know him closer, to know him more every single day, to support and help each other. But if we don't motivate that by love, then it'll be nothing more than patronization. There, there, you can do better. Or maybe even judgment at its worst. But with love, we genuinely want to support each other. We genuinely want to lift each other up and build each other up in faith. Not so that we can be better than others. Not so that we can think that you're better than us. But because we want to build each other up in love. When we have prophetic words, if they come from love, they will have huge impact in this community. If they come from a place of judgment, it will be very different. But if they come from love, even the hardest words received in love can have an impact, can make a difference. And if we're to accept people for who they are, wherever they are in their journey of faith when they walk through these doors, we need to love well in order to earn the right for their vulnerability, as we talked about a few weeks ago. 
The vulnerability is not hanging your washing on the line for everybody to see. It's sharing your true self with those who've earned the right to see it. And we want to earn the right to see real people as they come through these doors to be their authentic true selves. And in order for that to happen, this needs to be a community marked by love. This is something I believe we do very well as a community But it's something we can always grow in. We can always move further in, accepting the love that Jesus has for us primarily. I was at um, a, a clergy retreat the other day, and Bishop Martin said these words. He says, we can be in danger sometimes of not allowing God to love us because we can't quite believe he really would. We can be in danger sometimes of not allowing God to love us because we can't believe he really would. But he does. He does. And we grow out of that love. Our love for one another, our love for God grows from the love we love because he first loved us. There are so many passages we could use and quote today. But I just want to share just a a revelation that that I had this week. And um, I'm still wrestling with it. I'm still testing it. I'm still seeking it. But it's something that I sort of really... Uh, sitting with, and I, I don't know if, you, if you've got Bibles in front of you, there, there might be some Bibles dotted around, hopefully there may not be, but try and grab one if you can. I'm just going to flick to John 21, and if you uh, can't flick to it, it's really familiar anyway, you, you will know it. And this is, uh, this is where Jesus appears to uh, Peter on the beach. So Peter has denied Jesus three times uh, at the cross, uh, and now uh, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is, sat, is stood before Peter on the beach, and they're having this conversation. They kind of move aside from the rest of the disciples, and they have this conversation, really intimate, personal conversation. And Jesus said this, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, as in more than the people gathered around them and more than the fish that they've just caught? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hand and another will dress you and carry you to where you do not want to go. And then he goes on to say, uh, follow me. And then he goes on further to say, on this rock, I will build my church. Now, I've always heard that passage and and heard people preach on that passage in in lots of different contexts and more often than not they talk about it being a beautiful passage of reconciliation of where for every time that Peter denied Jesus, uh, Jesus gave him the opportunity to say that he loves him. That is true. That is definitely right. But then I wondered this week as I was listening to this uh, prayerfully and uh, at a a Bible reflection and it just kind of hit me Is Jesus also doing something a bit deeper here with Peter as a leader, as somebody who's going to go on to be part of the church and on whom Jesus is going to build the church? Is he almost saying to Peter, in order for you to be trusted with leading my sheep, I need to know that you love me. I need to be sure that you love me because you have no authority to lead any other one in Christ unless you first love me. We can only give what we ourselves have received. 
And if we haven't received that love from Jesus and accepted that love from Jesus, then it's going to be hard for us to love ourselves and it's going to be hard for us to love each other well. I think Jesus, yes, he is reinstating Peter. Yes, he is reconciling the relationship. But I think he's also making it clear to Peter that for him to have the authority to lead the sheep, he needs to primarily love Jesus first. All of his leadership, all of church, streams from that place of a rock who loves Jesus. The church is built on somebody who loved Jesus and needs to continue to be built on that truth today. So my challenge to us is simple. And by simple, I mean brief. I don't mean easy. How well are we doing with love? How well are we doing with our love for God? How well are we doing accepting that God loves us? How well are we doing at loving one another? And are there barriers to that love? And if there are, what are we going to do to tear them down? Because there's no point me talking about spiritual gifts over the next few weeks or service or giving or any of those things unless we are a community marked by love. Or to put it how Jesus put it, this is how the world will know you are my disciples, by how you love one another. Not by your programs, not by the way you do church, not by the way you do worship, by how you love one another. That's authentic community. You will find, actually, that if we're loving one another well, community will be a natural byproduct. Unity will be a natural byproduct. Spiritual gifts will be a natural byproduct. Service will be a natural byproduct. All of those things will flow naturally out of that place of love. And we love because he first loved us. That never ceases to blow my mind. (laughs) The fact that he first loved us. Despite knowing everything about us, still he chooses to love. Still he chooses to accept. Still he chooses to welcome. Still he chooses to say, come as you are. May we be a community marked by such love. Amen.